Welcome to Shot Reverse Shot. This week we're talking about the London Podcast Festival which took place at King's Place in London from the 22nd to the 26th of September. Uh, I flew over for the occasion and to see friends as well but also to enjoy the litany of great podcasts that were on at the festival and to help me talk about the festival and to run through it is uh, the comedy programmer at King's Place and the producer of the London Podcast Festival, Zoe Jays. Hi Zoe! Hi Ed, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, so uh, for background, I guess, Zoe and I have been friends for about 11 years at this point. Yep, yep, that sounds right. Because we both posted on a now defunct <laughs> forum about the Channel 4 sitcom uh, space. Because we're both really cool. <laughs> we are the <laughs> super cool. Super cool. Yeah. Uh, if my, my university years, I think, can largely be summed up by drinking watching future armor commentaries and posting on a spaced message board so i was super i was super cool yeah i wasn't even at university <laughs> i had a job <laughs> yeah uh, it was great it was great times it was great great times lots of nonsense lots of <laughs> words thrown into the ether that don't exist anymore um <laughs> uh, and and you told me um last november i believe because i think you messaged me about it on thanksgiving that yeah. <laughs> you were planning to host, uh, you were planning to put on the, the London Podcast Festival. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so I leapt at the chance to go and see some of the great shows that were on. Uh, and uh, I just wanted to ask you the first question, how did the festival come about? Well, I worked at King's Place for about eight years now, and I've been programming the comedy there for about seven. And we'd had a few live podcasts as part of the general comedy programming. We We had some early ones with Peacock and Gamble, and then The Complete Guide to Everything, which is one of my absolute favourite podcasts, first came over in 2011, and I've been doing sell-out live shows for the last five years, so I knew it was a good venue for those shows. Um, I knew that it works well as a setting for live podcasts, and I knew that the shows were popular because they market to their own audiences. You know, They've got people that love the shows, they've got people that want to see them, and they can communicate that to their fans directly. So for the venue, it's, it's a win-win. And um, I've been wanting to do this for a couple of years. Uh, it seemed like a, a no-brainer. I'm still sort of shocked that I was the first person to get to do it. <laughs> I think quite a lot of people probably had the same idea. Um, but luckily, we were in a position where we had uh, a venue and a fantastic team who could put something together. So it was then just a case of finding a weekend where we had the venue to ourselves. I sort of wanted to really take over the venue, make it feel like a real festival rather than just a sort of a series of events within our usual programme. And that was that was September. So that was it, really. Then we announced the, the date sort of in December, a little while after I spoke to you about it. And um, then once you put it out there... It, it's just got to happen. Um, so I sort of started programming January. Oh, and, and it was uh, it was successful pretty much out the gate to the extent that the website crashed almost instantly as soon as they <laughs> went online, which uh, in my experience working at like film festivals and, and the Doc Fest in Sheffield is pretty, yeah. it's always a good sign. When... It is a good sign. <laughs> um, yeah. The, my dad wrote a porno, guys. We're very proud that they broke the internet. Um, <laughs> And our website mainly. But yeah, we went on sale in May. And, you know, we I think it was our biggest on sale day ever. I think we did probably, you know, a, a huge amount of tickets in that in that first first couple of days. And then it just continued really. I had a lovely sales graph that I on my <laughs> wall. Like, like I was in a film. I had a big red line going up. Uh, and we smashed our sales target which was great and ended up having about 5,000 people in the venue over the weekend, which was really incredible, like beyond my wildest expectations. And it did really feel, for me at least, did feel like a festival. You see, saw lots of people just kind of hanging around in between shows, mm. uh, just kind of meeting up, talking. There was a lot of interaction between fans and podcasters, which is a thing that I I really like to see because, like I say, when I've, when I've worked at film festivals, there's not so much of that. I mean, there are some no. filmmakers who are super chummy and will hang out with people, but uh, I think it speaks to the the 
intimacy between kind of podcaster mm-hmm. and fan that exists that pretty much everyone who came to the festival was perfectly happy to kind of hang around and talk to people afterwards. Absolutely. I completely agree. I think, I think some of that is the fact that it was all in one venue, yeah. um, you know, and not sort of spread across multiple venues. And it was a venue where people can stay all day. I saw a lot of the same faces coming back day after day and seeing multiple shows, which was great. And, and the podcasters as well, even those who didn't have shows on would just hang around, um, mm-hmm. come back in, see other shows, hang around backstage. And I think some of that was being in a venue like that. There aren't many places where you're not getting kicked straight out onto the street afterwards or there's not anywhere really to hang around. Or if there is, then the acts aren't coming out because for whatever reason they don't want to interact with the fans. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, 90% of the, the podcasters, uh, you know, did spend a lot of time with the fans. And the atmosphere backstage was the same. Very, you know, very collegial. Everyone was really getting on with each other. It was wonderful to go in the green room. But just before bullseye and the complete guide went up and you know all of the all of those guys were just hanging around backstage and and john hodgman was there as well and of course their guests so like armando was there and uh and sharon horgan and um the my dad wrote a porno guys had come in a bit early so they were all just and just seeing that group of people like hanging out together was was remarkable and it felt like that all weekend you know uh, helen zoltzman was backstage nearly all of the time and she was <laughs> fantastic and then all the amazing producers, like uh, people who came over from America, you know, like Colin Anderson, who's like Max Fun's producer. Mm-hmm. He was he was fantastic, and everyone's so full of wonderful advice and helpful feedback. Um, very generous with their time with me and with with the fans. And yeah, I think it's a it's quite unique like that. I think the world of podcasting. And it was also nice. Again, it felt very podcasty that there was a, a nice bit of cross pollination between different shows. Like Dan, mm. Dan Schreiber from yeah. no, no Such Thing as the Fish was uh, omnipresent pretty much. He was. He on was. Everything. I told him he was MVP of the festival and he was very, very happy about that. Yeah. yeah. I, I think Dan was there every day. I, he was there from, I think the Wednesday night he saw my dad wrote a porno and uh, he, he got, they did a, a tombola, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, have you listened to my dad wrote a porno? You know about the tombola. Uh, I do know um, about the tombola. Yeah, yeah. he uh, so he won a he won a mug, um, and they were very angry about it. That <laughs> 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 Dan had won. Yeah, they also included a row I, which of course, as those of us who work in venues know, doesn't exist <laughs> um, because it looks like a one, so you don't put it on on seating plans. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you mentioned that uh, my dad wrote a porno. Uh, was on Wednesday, so we might as well start going through the, yeah. the days, the, the, what happened on each day. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess Wednesday was something of a soft launch, because that was, was yes. that one of the ones they added after they saw that? Yeah, out. and that wasn't included sort of in the official dates. Um, and for very, yeah, we we sold out, the, my, my dad wrote a porno, was originally just programmed on the Friday night at 9.30. That was the one that crashed our website, so mm-hmm. we had to sell it entirely over the phone, you know, and that sold out in, a, in like an hour and a half. And then... We put a second date on on the Thursday, which then became sort of press night, and that sold out in eight minutes. And then again, the <laughs> I think the uh, the Wednesday was pretty much the same. So it was really I would have just kept booking them for shows. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> you know, going all the way back through through August really because um, they are exceptionally nice and talented people. Um, mm. They, I'm not sure they knew exactly what they were going to do when I asked them, because they hadn't done a live show before, but I I just followed them on Twitter and said, have you thought about doing this? And uh, thankfully, I was the right person at the right time. I think I got in there quite early, because it's a very new podcast, really. I mean, they've mm. only been going for, for a year. Um, the success is incredible. So, yeah, but the, the show they wrote wasn't, it wasn't just... You know, I think sometimes people are like, oh, why would I go and see a live podcast? You know, what that's what's that gonna be? Mm. But they wrote an incredible 90-minute show, and Dan Shriver came to me afterwards and he said, That's the best live comedy show I've seen this year. Wow. And that's high praise. It was a a brilliant show. And I think they're doing some various live dates um across the country promoting their book at the minute. And I thoroughly recommend going to see them live because they're absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I was gutted that I didn't get tickets yeah. for any, any of them because it did seem because I only really heard of the podcast after it crashed you it crashed your yes. site because yeah. I was like 
I'd, I'd heard the name floating around, but I thought, oh, I don't know if that'd be for me. And then me suddenly... too, me too. <laughs> I was somewhat put off by the name. So if you're listening and you're put off by the title of that podcast, please don't me because um, I felt like I was a late adopter. And mm. to be honest, it was probably about three months after it started or something. <laughs> but I still felt like I was really behind the curve. And it was my brother just um, badgered me into it. He was like, "You have to listen to this." He kept trying to like put it on when we were on car trips and stuff. And I was like, "I don't want. To, I don't want to listen to it." You know. You can you can't force someone to listen to a podcast as much as you might want to. Yeah. Um. And eventually, I I listened to him, and um, it is it's genuinely hilarious. And I think also people shouldn't make the mistake that I did, which was assuming that oh, his dad must have written a porno in the like the seventies and they oh, unearthed no. it, which was my oh, assumption. No. I thought that doesn't sound that interesting, but then when you hear no. it's like oh, it's a, an attempt to cash in on Fifty Shades of Grey. That yeah, I don't know. That adds um, a greater sense of fun to it, I think, because uh, it's yeah. about the disconnect between what a 60, 70-year-old <laughs> man thinks the world is like. I mean, it, 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 the, <laughs> I mean the, the, the Trump comments yesterday about the same level of like, knowledge of... Anyway, I won't... I that that was that. my first joke as well. My joke yeah, exactly. Was, yeah. Uh, yeah. My, my joke on Twitter was... Um, uh, this is compelling evidence that Donald Trump is actually Rocky Flint. Yeah, yeah, I'm starting to wonder. Though I think I think probably Jamie's dad is much nicer. <laughs> oh, he'd have to be. I mean, <laughs> Literally any human. He is the worst of us. Um, Absolutely. Okay, so uh, then on Thursday, uh, the show I saw uh, was Atletico Mints with yeah. Bob Mortimer and Andy Dawson. Uh, yeah. Which was uh, a lot of fun, although... I think it did suffer a little bit from the what you were talking about with people say not necessarily knowing how they're going to translate their show to a live setting because yes. they ended up doing essentially the material from the podcast they were about to release mm-hmm. and some kind of favorite bits from the history of the show which was great mm-hmm. but I also thought it's one of those things where like like I also went to a comedy bang bang show in Manchester on Sunday yeah. and it's one of those things where you're watching it and you think there is such a high bar to entry for this for someone who doesn't understand what's happening yeah yeah well I, I mean I I loved it and I I'm obviously familiar with the podcast yeah. um I think I think Andy's hilarious and I think mm. seeing Bob perform live is a genuine thrill yeah and uh my my boss came in with me as did a couple of my other colleagues because it was press night and uh Everyone enjoyed it, regardless of whether yeah. they whether they'd heard it or not. I think they were baffled by some of it. Oh, definitely. But again, that's part of the fun, isn't it? It's like it's that's being in a club, um, with some in jokes and stuff is I think part of the reason why people love podcasts. Yeah, and especially a show like that, which is an accumulation of in jokes yes. uh, that have built up in intensity over thirty something episodes. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, my, my, I I told Andy afterwards when I was chatting to him, I introduced him to my boss, and I was like, "This is my boss. I don't think she entirely understood everything that was going on, <laughs> but she had like a ludicrous grin on her face the entire time. She was just very happy, so that worked." And I liked they started with uh, a little animation. I, I assume it was a fan-made animation of one of their their bits. I honestly don't know. I didn't ask them. Uh, I, I assumed it was fan-made just because that's why I assume all animation relating to podcasts <laughs> is, oh, pretty yeah. much at this point. Yeah. And then there was another... My dad wrote a porno show on that day. And then on yes. Friday... Uh, I assume... Was it the same show? I guess it would be weird for them to write. It was. They did the same show three times. Yeah. Um, it, it's a it's a lost chapter from the book, which, again, I think <laughs> is what they're reading, I think, um, at the at the other dates they're doing. It'll probably cool. be the same chapter. Um, and, and some other nonsense, like like a, like a tombola and, uh, and some very fun audience participation that people really got behind. We also had a session on that night, which I couldn't see. This is the problem. I, I literally couldn't see everything, which is mm-hmm. a real shame. And because things were being recorded, I didn't want to nip in and out too much because um, it's, it's quite a bad example to do that. Because um, although I'll be like, well, I can be quiet. Once once people see one person go, they're like, oh, it's a free-for-all. And not everyone is quite so quiet when they're coming in and out of room, which yeah. is fine at a normal comedy gig, but not great if you're trying to get a good recording. Yeah. We had a show... Well, a session in our smaller room done by Ben Green, who produces the Guardians podcast, including Football Weekly, um, which is obviously a huge show. 
And he just did a session called How to Be a Podcast Producer, which also sold out. Everything sold out that first night, which is amazing. So that was really interesting because that says something, I think, for future years, maybe that we do some more things like that for people who are interested in making podcasts. Yeah, because like everyone's got a podcast now, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we could, all, we could all use a few pointers. Yeah. And then uh, there was also uh, Bullseye, which was I was very excited about both because of the caliber of guests they had on mm-hmm. and also because I'm just a huge admirer of Jesse Horn. I think he's oh, me too, yeah. an amazing interviewer. I think he's done... A, a, I'm just amazed by anyone who kind of builds something through passion and mm-hmm. dedication in the way that he's built Max Fun out from like a radio show that he did at his <laughs> university. Incredible, yeah. Uh, that's now on NPR and everything else. Uh, and that was that was fantastic. The guests were Josie Long, who did a wonderful bit of stand up. Yeah. Uh, Amanda Iannucci, who obviously is amazing, a legendary. Mm-hmm. Sharon Horgan, great mm-hmm. sitcom writer, and uh, Romare, who's a, a, I guess he's not a guest in so much as he performed the song. But yes. He, he he was on the show. Yes. Yeah. Really exceptional lineup of guests, and I agree. I think Jesse is an extraordinary individual and and I think think he's got a a unique interview style which Mm. people really like um and and I do and I I always enjoy Bullseye whether I know the guests whether I'm very familiar with the guests or not he always gets something really interesting out of them and I'm incredibly grateful to Jesse and to the whole everyone at Maximum Fun everyone who came over and everyone who was involved in the planning stages because I think and I told Jesse and John this afterwards, um, them agreeing to do it, I think, really legitimised the whole affair. Mm. Um, although I wanted it to be a predominantly UK festival because I want to showcase, you know, what London and the UK has to offer. I thought it was important to have some international shows. Yeah. And I always really wanted to work with Max Fun for all the reasons you said. And they just seem like really nice people. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so... And, and they were pretty much on board straight away. It was just a case of figuring out how we could make it work, what shows would work, what we could, you know, what we could afford to do. And as soon as then those guys were on board, as soon as I could say, oh, you know, John Hodgman's coming, you know, Bullseye's coming, International Water's coming, people were like, oh, cool, okay, this is legit. Yeah, particularly like a show like Judge John Hodgman, which mm. has such a, a fervent following worldwide and you can tell just from the fact that they every every so often they'll have a guest on who's like we live in australia or whatever or they live on different sides of the world uh and and that's a lovely thing about podcasting is it is uh international and it can really you can get fans anywhere in the world Um, yeah and people did travel from europe to see those shows hmm. and uh, and in terms of uh, jesse's interview style i think my favorite moment was when he just decided to interrupt his own interview to talk to Armando Iannucci about a particular scene from the Larry Sanders show. Yeah. Uh, and he freely admitted this isn't going to be in the podcast, but I yeah. just really like that scene. Yeah. But, and again, that's one of the nice, uh, one of the reasons to go and see something live is that the special stuff that you get to see, yeah. um, the, the unusual moment, which may well be edited out before they go out live. Uh, did you see anything else on Friday? Oh, I saw Dave Hill. Oh yeah. How was that? Um, amazing, amazing. So uh, Dave uh, has a show, a WFMU show in New York uh, that he records every Monday. And he came over from the States to do a live version of that show. It's called The Goddamn Dave Hill Show. And it was absolutely brilliant and as unique and hilarious as, as Dave is. I think he is a really fantastic comedian. Mm-hmm. Um he there's some I, I took a, and a couple of friends who hadn't heard of Dave or seen him before. Um, people were very keen to just I said, you know, just take a punt. Not, everything in this festival is good, I promise. <laughs> so just go and see it. And they loved him and they were they were big they're big Tim Key fans and they said, Oh, he's like an American Tim Key. And I'm like, Yeah, I can see that. So that's shorthand for Dave Hill if you haven't <laughs> seen him before. I mean, maybe that's a bit reductive, but take it as a recommendation. Yeah. Uh, I met him in the bar afterwards and he seemed very nice. That's, he's that's, lovely he's uh, a real gent and like there'd be a real like dapper gent off between him and jesse wouldn't there mm. oh yeah De- jesse's uh, outfits throughout the festival Extraordinary. were pretty impressive every it- time you see jesse you're like yeah <laughs> <laughs> you look great so yeah that that menswear blog of his isn't for show he really no. does commit to it 
no. okay. On Saturday, uh, I, I I took a punt on a show I didn't know anything about, and I went to watch uh, a performance of Unexplained. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which would be we don't know is a podcast about exploring uh, stories that are mysterious and don't have a, a rational explanation. In this case, uh, a long discussion of a instance of a poltergeist in uh, an area outside of Liverpool in the 1950s. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Which was really, really fascinating because, like with most podcasts, with comedy podcasts, you think, okay, I can see how this would translate to a stage show. You just, you get a little bit looser and you maybe have some audience interaction, but that's about it. Whereas something like this, you know, it'd be like having a, you must remember this live. You'd be like, how would would something that controlled and produced work? And it was really interesting seeing him do this, uh, what I've I've described as a sinister TED talk, where you kind of get up and you have... (laughs) You have someone talk, talk at length with slideshows and kind of every so often going over and hitting a track of of the kind of atmospheric Mm. music. Uh, And it was really effective. It was it was really fascinating. And I was I was glad out of a festival in which I only saw things I already had some knowledge of that I took a chance to watch something completely uh, unfamiliar. Oh, that's great. And again, um, yeah, I, I did some of the podcasts I approached. I did wonder about how they would translate to a live setting. And that was one of them. Mm. Um, and I had that discussion with, with Richard. Um, but he was just really keen to try. I think a lot of people were just uh, excited to challenge themselves yeah. um, and try something new. And uh, yeah, I'm very grateful to everyone who did. And uh, yeah, I got great feedback. I didn't see that. I was watching something else, but I got great feedback from him and from audience members. So I'm really pleased he did it. Uh, what were you watching at that time? I was watching Little Atoms, which is another. The setup for that was an, it's 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 a cultural show. It's it and it was um it was an interview. So, but quite a few of the shows were interview shows. Quite a lot were panel shows, mm-hmm. and um, it was Neil Denny interviewing Hadley Freeman about uh, 1980s cinema, well, particularly the you know the 1980s cinema that sort of shaped her life, and it was it was really really fascinating. Talked a lot about. John Hughes um, and some interesting things about like how progressive a film Dirty Dancing is and how like Dirty Dancing would never get made now and that mm. when they're, they're planning this remake and they the 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 woman who wrote Dirty Dancing I can't remember her name they they said they wanted to cut the abortion subplot and she said well no that's the entire reason I wrote the film what do you think that film's about you know mm. how could you possibly remove that and refuse so. I hadn't ever really considered that about Dirty Dancing. It made me like the film a lot more. Yeah, I I found because I didn't I dismissed Dirty Dancing for a very long time because mm. uh, I was an asshole for a very long period of my life. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think that's true of most people up to the age oh, of yeah. your mid twenties. Um, but I watched it with my friend Michaela, who was a big fan of it, uh, and yeah. has been on this podcast before, uh, and she spent a lot of it talking it to me about like the importance of it as a movie about a woman's sexual awakening. Absolutely. And like, from like watching it with her, someone who obviously loves the film and was willing to uh, mm. batter through my scepticism, I came to appreciate it a lot more. Uh, and yeah, like removing the abortion scene, sanding everything down about that film. There's not much more to it if you just no. remove all of it. And yeah, she, it's it's why she wrote the film. It's what that film is about. You know, mm. it it's it's integral to it and everything everything that happens in that film happens because of that abortion yeah. the only reason that 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 baby gets to dance in the first place is because is because she's gone off to have an illegal abortion and then the the, the terrible consequences of that you know that of course could have been much worse and mm. her father risking his medical license you know to to help this girl it's it's a profoundly important film i think and i didn't yeah i was a bit of a dummy about it <laughs> and didn't really think about that side of it but uh she she talked a lot about the nature of like a women's picture which i thought was really interesting and was like polling the guys in the audience about whether they'd seen things like uh terms of endearment or mm. you know steel magnolias and like like none of the guys in the room had seen steel magnolias and obviously i have i presume you've seen steel magnolias i have uh, i yeah. remember watching it with my mum when i was very young which seems weird <laughs> and people are like, how can you not? This film's got Shirley MacLaine, you know, Olympia Dukakis, mm. Sally Field, Julia Roberts, Daryl Hannah, Dolly Parton, you know, like <laughs> this exceptional group of women. It's a really, but yeah, guys just won't see it. So I thought that was really interesting. Missing out. Yeah. Uh, after Unexplained, I saw Rahilla Stupa, Richard Herring's Leicester Square yeah. Theatre podcast. Uh, yeah. 
not at the Leicester Square Theatre, obviously. Uh, no. And his his guest was Dan Schreiber, the yeah. om- omnipresent Dan Schreiber. Yeah. Who, uh, <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't really familiar with with Dan prior to this. I'd heard of yeah. No Such Thing as a Fish. Yeah. Uh and uh, obviously I knew Richard. I've seen him perform stunned up quite a lot over the years. Uh and so uh, I went mainly to kind of see him and because I enjoy his his interview style. Um but I was I was fascinated by by Dan his life story of growing up in Hong Kong uh having moving to australia but having been mm-hmm. taught by americans so he was the only one in his family who had an american accent <laughs> uh, <laughs> despite not being american in the slightest yeah. um, there's, a, there's a clark kent quality about dan isn't there <laughs> mm, <laughs> with the yeah. accent and the glasses and the yeah and, and also just the sense that you'd see him he's very unassuming <laughs> when he starts mm-hmm. talking i think he's like oh wow you have an amazing an amazing life that's yeah, involved absolutely yeah moving all over the world and transplanting yourself to london to get into comedy which uh is always the sort of leap that i find to be so incredible that people would choose to make because there's very little chance that it will work but it worked wonderfully for him mm-hmm. but that was great uh, and it was it was lovely seeing uh seeing richard i've never seen him interview someone live before so it's, it's fun seeing yeah. how relaxed and he is particularly he seems to have mellowed a lot in the last kind of five or six years oh yeah i think he's yeah very been very open about that i again so ben walker is a producer a london-based podcast producer who produces a number of shows which are always live so he mm-hmm. produces richard's show and he produces do the right thing and uh pappy's flatshare slam down and izzy sussie's new podcast mm-hmm. so he sort of agreed to bring that selection of shows um which again was really important for me i think though london has a great live podcast scene happening Mm. already and i wanted to make sure that was reflected in the festival and especially like you know doing rich's podcast in another venue was really generous of them yeah and quite funny then because of what it's called to be doing at king's place yeah (laughs) i was hoping he would add an akip at the end of it but he, (laughs) he decided not to um, I, th- I think that, I think that live element is quite an interesting difference between American podcasts and Amer- and English ones because I don't think there mm-hmm. are many there are many podcasts that really do that. I mean, there's Harmontown, I guess, but there's not a huge number that mm. do. I think they do that. occasional ones. I, I think like like Spont is at least monthly live. I think yeah, yeah probably. Yeah, yeah. And uh, obviously, how did this get made? Do regular live shows? Yeah, but there is. Those shows that Ben does are specifically designed for that format yeah. and they work very well. Um, and they're brilliantly entertaining nights out. Like, I can't recommend it enough. Like, you can go and see a double bill of like Pappies and Izzy for like a tenner in a really nice venue, you know, and it's a really brilliant night out. Again, whether you're familiar with the shows or not, you can just tell people, well, you're going to see a, a really brilliant anarchic panel show mm-hmm. live so much better than seeing it on tv yeah. they'll get great guests because they always do and izzy is a thoroughly charming interviewer and she always has amazing guests and you know i i even if you haven't heard the podcast you know that should be enough for you to go oh, that's gonna be a good night out uh, and also i think it cuts to something that you also see like particularly in the la scene where there's a there's a very supportive kind of community it's mm. like people do each other's shows people try and help each other out and launch shows and um that's one of the, one of the main things i find so appealing about the medium and have since the beginning is it does seem to be less about kind of um dog eat dog competitiveness than yeah comedy can be when people are being pitted against each other for like slots on stage or on television mm. yeah absolutely it's a it's a really wonderful sense of community and hopefully there'll be some future collaborations that come out of the the weekend did you watch anything uh, else at that time? Yeah, Saturday afternoon I, I watched The Illusionist, which was on at the same time as Rich in our other hall. Um, that's Helen Zaltzman's podcast. It's a podcast about language. Again, they, it, it's, a, it's a pretty produced show and mm. they're generally quite short episodes. They're just wonderful. She is... I think Helen is an incredibly important figure in UK podcasting. Mm-hmm. Um, Answer Me This is a real you know, trailblazer, I think. And uh, the, the Illusionist um, is is fantastic again and doing something different. But she was not sure what she was going to do as a live show. But but she said yep, yeah, which was brilliant. And she said a week before, I haven't written, <laughs> so we'll see what happens. 
But I think, she, I don't know how much of that was true or how much of that is just her being her wonderful, uh, disarming self because it was a brilliant, brilliant show. She put something together which was perfect for a live setting and her husband uh, did some music for the show, Martin Ostwick, who also is on Answer Me This. And Helen was again just really generous with her time she was a pleasure to talk to she had some great thoughts about things we could do next year she came in the next day and just sort of hung around which was brilliant and saw things yeah she was she was really wonderful uh and then uh, i saw next was uh, judge john hodgman which uh i've, I've <laughs> listened to john hodgman for a while now obviously and, and i've heard some of the live shows and mm-hmm. I think something that doesn't really come across in the recordings of live shows is that they're actually surprisingly raucous for what a kind of a genteel mm. podcast it is. Uh, yeah. Lots of kind of playing up to the audience, uh, mm. partic- particularly at one point when Jesse in his uh, his amazing bailiff's uniform <laughs> got into a shout, a, a kind of faux comedy shouting match with one of the audience members where he was talking about throwing him out for some, some transgression, which I forget now, but it was very minor. Um, but... Yeah, it was it was really great seeing it and having him like sing a song at the end, which was really beautiful, a handsome family uh, song. Uh, and I just found it to be uh, really interesting seeing how well that transfers to the stage and it keeps the spirit of the podcast. But it was mm-hmm. fundamentally very different to kind of mm-hmm. the, the, the tone and the of the of the show. Yeah, I saw that show on the Sunday night because, again, John did two sellout shows on Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. And um Obviously, it's a different show. You know, I yeah. think a lot of people went to both because he'll have some big, big fans and they'll want to see both. But he ended on a song, as 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 with your show, and I thought that was a really magical moment. Mm. Everyone singing along. It was really beautiful and sort of summed up the spirit of the weekend for me. Again, that sense of community. Also, just incredible to watch that man work. Like, mm. he is just... I mean, he's so fast and he's so clever and he's so witty and to see him do like the speed justice when he was like doling out you know 10 verdicts in 10 minutes mm-hmm. was incredible absolutely incredible he's he's so funny and just then i know i keep saying this about everyone but just the nicest guy <laughs> and said such wonderful things about the time he'd had in london and how you know he would be happy to help me get in touch with anyone that i wanted to for next year and how much he would recommend it really meant a lot coming from someone like john hodgman yeah, he's like uh, like Jesse. He's just like seems like a wonderful guy and mm-hmm. really really impressive in that his career through comedy has been so uh, strange. Like going mm. from being a writer for Esquire or, or all the various places he wrote, then frontlining a national television campaign, yeah, uh, and then the Daily Show, and then just like uh, finding a particular a particular niche for him self through through podcasting uh it's again you know it's, it's really fascinating to see how this new medium has allowed people who maybe under normal kind of structures would be more marginalized uh to to kind of really find a space for themselves yeah absolutely and i think you know he passes that on to his to his fans and to that like the max fun community is a real community you know and mm. they they arranged, you know, meetups like in the bar, like before and after, a bit like we used to do with space. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm sure they made friends, you know, which I really like. I like this sort of like misfit element to the whole thing, and like people mm. finding that there was some really lovely, some really lovely stuff on Twitter about, you know, just this people finding like their own you know just being somewhere for a weekend where everyone looked like someone you'd want to be friends with you know and uh, you could understand these people and you literally felt like you could walk up to anyone and start having a conversation with them Mm -hmm. Um, and John and Jesse just stayed and for as long as people wanted them to be there they were there and you know did all the pictures and all the signing and everything else um you've just like for hours which is really amazing what what did you see while uh, John Hodgman was on I saw The Complete Guide to Everything, which is historically my my favourite podcast. And I was very lucky to be introduced to it by someone who was looking for a venue for them. And we immediately struck up, well, not immediately, but we we have since struck up a a fine friendship. And I, I got to see them in New York when they did the show live there. And again, just the, just the best guys, like they are the nicest guys. And, um, they write brilliant shows mm-hmm. and they've 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 
had a level of success which is so impressive because podcasting is a meritocracy and Mm -hmm. they built up an audience they they were featured on uk itunes um which gives them a disproportionately english audience i think about half their listeners are in the uk and then the rest obviously america's they're a lot more spread out you know so you feel it a lot more in this country when you've got a certain number of fans Mm-hmm. And they've they've sold out for five years in a row. And again, I think there's quite a little community of people who've built up around that. And all of those people were having their nights sort of simultaneously as well, which I think is quite interesting. You know, like the Complete Guide guys were like, oh, we'll meet you upstairs in the podcast lounge afterwards. We'll be there drinking. So they were having like their night. And then like in the foyer and in the rotunda, like the Max Fun people were ha- having their special night, which was which was super cool. Yeah. Yeah. And uh yeah, and those guys, I, you know, met them. You introduced me to them, and the, mm-hmm. t- Tim and Tom, they sound, uh, that they, they seem wonderful. I mean, they are wonderful. They were really nice to me for, you know, uh, just kind of chatting about films and uh, smack talking some people. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, well, I'm sure you. they're very horrible men. Horrible <laughs> men. <laughs> and then the last show I saw that night. I mean, you talked about uh, John Hodgman being very quick. He was fantastic on international waters where mm-hmm. he was one of the panelists panelists and uh yeah like you say about pa- panel shows they're very sterile on tv and yeah you, know, you can really feel the hand of the editor in kind of cutting around things yeah uh, and the joke writers who write most of the material at least in yeah. the uk um so it was wonderful seeing uh something like that where it was they are clearly just being quick that's that's the only thing they have is their wits and their ability to turn uh, ridiculous clips of stupid English accents or stupid American accents into gold and it was really really fun yeah yeah and and the same in the other hall we had two sort of late night panel shows on at the same time we had do the right thing in hall two which was lots of boozy fun mm-hmm. I put I put a lot of booze in the green room <laughs> didn't want to run out and we, we had some left over which was incredible but um yeah we had that was that was really great fun, and they had amazing guests as well. They had uh, Sarah Kendall and, and Chris Addison, which was which was brilliant. Yeah, I I think that that sort of party atmosphere really really worked, and it continued sort of across the weekend. And I was very proud of that because I think we're a relatively formal venue. I mean, we're a classical music venue, mm-hmm. so there is a sort of formality to uh, the spaces, um, but it felt like a real party all weekend or at least it did to me oh yeah no i definitely got that and uh it was lovely seeing how how impressed all the podcasters seemed to be by the space uh, yeah like, most of the shows i saw people came out and at some point they would just kind of remark on how lovely the halls were yeah uh, it's really that's really fun i never get tired of like people coming to the venue for the first time being like wow it's a mm. really beautiful venue and that's with i'm very lucky to be able to program in it program all this nonsense yeah uh, and it's directly underneath the guardian offices which i found uh funny just because at one point i was reading a live blog of the jeremy corbyn re-election mm-hmm. thing and i was thinking i could just go up there and yeah. like, ask them to yeah. film me in on what's going on it seems yeah. to me sitting in their foyer <laughs> reading about yeah. it um, yeah it's funny isn't it um and uh stuart heritage who does a lot of live blogging for them uh him and his fantastic wife uh Robin Wilder, who's a brilliant writer. I recommend following them both on social media. They're hilarious and reading everything they write. Um, They did a show on the Friday night um, called Love and Hat. Um, So, yeah, Stu was just in his his place of work. Um, (laughs) I think they had a great time. Again, I'm hoping... I'm just probably... I've had a bit of time off because I was exhausted. Mm. Um, uh, So I think maybe I'll just spend this week at work just listening to every show that I didn't get to see live. And probably the ones I did as well. And then uh, I left on the Sunday to, to go up to Manchester. So what did you see on the Sunday? Well, uh, the first thing I saw on the Sunday was uh, Harry Shearer. Oh, yes. Um, which was which was a big get. That was exciting. Mm. Um, Harry's wife, Judith Owen, is the nicest woman in showbiz. And again, just an exceptionally generous, warm-hearted person. And we were chatting about various projects as sort of um, musical and comedy projects. Uh, she's, her and Harry are going to do a Christmas show at our venue, um, a charity show oh, called cool. Christmas Without Tears in December. And yeah, so we were chatting about various things and um, 
she said, oh, Harry does a podcast. And I said, oh, I know. <laughs> I said, do you think he might want to do the podcast festival? And she's like, yeah, I think he will. So then I just got an email from Harry Shearer, which was exciting. And uh, he was keen to do it. He's a, he has a, for those of you who don't know, he has a, uh, a show uh, in the States called Le Show, um, which goes out uh, across many stations in America and uh, across the country. And is also, you can hear it here on Soho Radio or you can download it as a podcast every week. So it is a, and that's part of the podcasting, you know, world. You know, and you can see a lot of the BBC, a lot of the top 10 is BBC shows, which are repurposed mm-hmm. radio content. The difference is that Harry's podcast is just kind of the show done, you know, as he does it and just put out. So he did a live version of the show which is a combination of sort of sketches, um, his own sort of political humour. Mm-hmm. Um, he has various uh, trademarked sections and songs um, that he performs. And also for that sh- live show, Judith Owen, his wife, very kindly performed a couple of songs of hers. And she played, uh, accompanying her was, uh, was Leland Sklar, who, if people are bassists would be very excited about my dad nearly wet himself when he saw Lee Sklar on stage <laughs> um he's he's Steely Dan bassist Carol King bassist he's currently Phil Collins bassist so he's a he's a big deal anyway watching Harry work and in fact all of those three people live was really quite extraordinary and he had his whole sort of set up there his whole desk um all the buttons and so it, it was like watching uh Handsome Dan live <laughs> <laughs> Sounds amazing. It was really amazing, yeah. And then I watched Untold. The full title of that podcast is Untold, the Daniel Morgan murder, which is a, it's sort of a true crime show, but it's, and it's been called the British serial, and mm. it certainly had, you know, a huge amount of success. It's had, you know, like three million downloads. It's a big show. But it, I think it's more, it's more about the cover-up. It's more about, you know the the terrible things that happened after the murder and the the police corruption and the media corruption mm-hmm. surrounding that and uh peter jukes put the live show together. well it was slightly different in that i sort of asked him if he wanted to do it and then i said you could either just do a live version of the podcast which i didn't really understand how that would work at all mm-hmm. or you can sort of come as a guest and we'll get a an interviewer and uh, I know uh, a journalist who works for, used to write for The Guardian, freelance, does various things. And she'd, her name's Marta Bowsles, and she'd interviewed Peter before for a newspaper article. Um, so I sort of knew that she had done that research before and was familiar with the podcast and liked the podcast. So that was more of a sort of a Q&A with them and then, a, you know, audience, open it up to the audience. Um, but people had, like, exceptionally intelligent, thought-provoking questions, both about the case what's happening now but also about putting together a podcast like that and again mm. that made me think next year you know we, we we might do some more of that for those shows that don't naturally translate to a live audience you know there's no reason why you can't put something together that does work yeah that show seems like it would be great for audience not audience audience participation is the wrong word but you know it's a show that invites people to research up and read upon what mm. happened certainly in like my case because my uh because matt who i do the, the, the podcast with uh he got me into it because he started listening to it and he said you know you really need to check this out this is really fascinating and then like within a week i was like saying i've been just reading nothing but articles about this yeah. murder that happened 30 something years it's ago it's really shocking isn't it yeah. yeah um and and yeah really shocking um and pete is a really a really cool guy he was mm-hmm. really fun to work with uh, and and for people who've heard it described as the British serial, I think a closer approximation would be that it's kind of like a true crime, yeah, uh, a, a true crime James Elroy. It has mm. that quality, and it's something that covers years. And also, the further you kind of dig into it, the kind of darker and scarier the world seems. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. But if, you, if you're up for a fun time, check out Untold. Uh, what else did you answer there? And then I saw John Hodgman. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I saw um. Uh, no such thing as a fish which was just absolutely brilliant and, and again they do it live a lot mm. so they're really really good at it and it was it was hilarious and what a lovely group of people and my parents like obsessed with that show now they went to that and they can't that's all they're doing is is watching and listening to no such thing as a fish they're very quick mm-hmm. very quick 
Um, and the, there was so much stuff I didn't get to see, um, which I really wanted to. You know, Adam Riches debuted his new podcast, uh, The Pod of Maximum Damage, mm-hmm. um, and I hope we'll be able to to do some more of that. Um, Adam is, like, just the best. He's so talented. It's crazy. And that um, show, that show you posted about it, uh, for mm-hmm. people who don't know, it's, um, is it like a post-show discussion podcast for a television show that doesn't exist yeah that... yeah yeah it's kind of yeah it's sort of taking the mick out of those yeah talking bad type oh yeah yeah shows and the talking dead and yeah so i didn't see it um mm-hmm. but yeah he had uh, other comedians like ben clark from pappy's sort of playing actors from the show you know people involved in the show and then the kind of the audience had to be in on the joke because they have to sort of ask questions about a tv show that doesn't exist right yeah, so it's like a Game of Thrones style show called The Sword of Maximum Damage, and then it's the Pod of Maximum Damage. So that's he, such a great idea. I know it's brilliant, right? It's an absolute <laughs> genius idea. He's a, he's a, he is a genius. And I didn't see the Beef and Dairy Network podcast, which I really wanted to. Benjamin Partridge's show, which is also on Max Fun now. It wasn't when I booked it, but now it, mm-hmm. it is on Max Fun. Uh, the Guilty Feminist I didn't get to see, but they do live shows with us every month. So I've seen it multiple times mm-hmm. and they are sold out all the way through to December. Wow. Um, those shows. Um, and we're just putting in the spring dates now. So I hope that's a relationship that continues. Deborah also, Deborah Francis White, who presents that show, also has uh, a panel show called Global Pillage who are on the Sunday afternoon. Again, I've seen that live multiple times and I hope that they will continue to make King's Place their home forever because they are great. Yeah. Yeah. And Wooden Overcoats did their... Did, did, that's a sitcom about um, uh, funeral directors. Uh, it's very funny. I would like to have more of those kind of things next year, you know, mm-hmm. more of the uh, audio drama side of, of podcasting. Yeah, is there anyone I've forgotten to mention that I really should mention? <laughs> <laughs> we talked about literally everybody. But yeah, and then, oh, the other, the other thing to say is that on the Monday night, I went to, we went up to the Union Chapel to see The Moth, which okay. is was part of which was presented as part of the London Podcast Festival uh, under that banner, but at a different venue and kind of just the the thing to round off the weekend, and that was brilliant as ever. I've been lucky enough to see the Moth before live, and I will always go to a Moth show because they are incredible. It's a really brilliant storytelling show. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we did have some more storytelling in the festival. We had a Spark London on the Saturday night did a show. I mustn't forget them. There we go. That's good. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's that's that was a nice thing about the festival is you did have that. It would be very easy to turn like a podcast festival into what people stereotypically think about podcast, which is like comedians just kind of making fun or just uh, kind of uh, or just interviews or whatever. I, I liked the fact that you did have like storytelling podcasts, the, the stuff that is more involved and is is very much the kind of thing that people like to get lost in when they listen to a podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And we um I just remembered somebody else. So we had we had the new, we had the New Statesman podcast as well, which completely sold out. Um wow. yeah, it was a real broad range of 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 I tried to it was it was challenging to program because there are thousands and thousands and ta- you know, hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there. And um it was very challenging to try and present a program that showcased some of that breadth. Um because it is a really it's a growing medium um, and there's a lot out there and there are only so many hours in the day that you can listen to stuff. And uh, it was such a success that you're doing it next year. So what are the dates for next year's festival? So yeah, the dates to put in your diaries are the 7th uh, to the 10th of September. It might expand at either end, you know, these things do happen. Yeah, just onwards and upwards, really. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to programme next year. Now we're kind of on the map and people Mm -hmm. know we exist. Um, we probably won't have to do that kind of initial thing of trying to get the word out and let people understand what kind of a venue we are and what kind of a festival it's going to be. Um, and hopefully those people who came this year, both the podcasters and the audience members, will will tell people about their experience, fingers crossed, in a positive way and encourage people to come to future events. So, yeah, um, I'm I'm really looking forward to, to doing it. And who who would be your dream get? What show would you like? Really like to try and get in for it? Uh, well, uh, as you well know, it would be Hollywood Hamburg. <laughs> <laughs> Hollywood Hamburg. I'm, I'm a bit obsessed with Hollywood Hamburg. Mm-hmm. I think it's for people who haven't heard it. 
it's presented by uh, Sean Clementson and Hayes Davenport, who are comedy writers, largely. That's, that's, and they sort of play themselves, play versions of themselves, as they would say they were Hollywood it boys. And it's an insider's guide to, to dropping names in the uh, red carpet line um, of, of Hollywood. And uh, they just give you sort of a, a kind of advice on how to make it in Hollywood. They tell stories about their exciting Hollywood lives with the with with Hayes's girlfriend Carrie Ann Moss and uh, <laughs> Sean's wife Steffi Graf. <laughs> and it's getting like it's evolving all the time and becoming mm-hmm. something extraordinary. And I'm consistently amazed by how funny and weird it is. They're really like nobody else out there. Um, I'm kind of a bit obsessed with it at the minute. And then I started listening to Doughboys because they're <laughs> trying to start a beef with Doughboys for some reason. <laughs> so I, like, I have to listen to Doughboys, which is which is just a really pleasant show where uh, Nick Weiger and uh, uh, Mike Mitchell just talk about chain restaurants <laughs> and, and fast food joints for an hour every week. But yeah, Hollywood Hamburg is my... I would, I would be so excited if they, if they came. Um, I'm going to now hear this uh, in like three weeks now. So wow. I'm super excited about that and seeing some shows that, that we didn't have this year, but maybe in future years, that would be wonderful. And Hollywood Handbook are doing a live show. So I could not be more excited about that. Cool. Yeah, you're, you're, uh, in terms of the evolution, I've been listening to some of the back catalogue of mm-hmm. Hollywood Handbook recently. Uh, and I just recently <laughs> listened to the Grease Nose Eggs show. Oh my God. With uh, with uh, London podcast all star yeah. Jesse Thorne, um, yeah, which is is one of the strangest bit of of podcasting I've ever listened to, but uh, incredible, right? Yeah, incredible, amazing yeah. hearing them pick apart a single ten fifth or like single minute of comedy for an hour to try and improve it. Uh, they are exceptional improvisers, <laughs> and I'm not even sure they would like say that they were very good improvisers because maybe yeah. they don't. I don't. Maybe they don't follow the rules, but like when you hear them like doing a a script reading of a film that doesn't exist, <laughs> they are oh my god, and just making up they're so funny. Like Teen Pope is <laughs> maybe that film should be made. I I was gonna say call it Young Pope because there's yeah. a TV series called Young Pope. Oh uh, yeah, uh, I know. I know. I'm sure everyone tweeted them that trailer when it came out. <laughs> um Yeah, it it's yeah, really it's a really exceptionally brilliant show. And I was we were talking about it at the podcast festival. There's a sort of 15-minute... They just destroy Suicide Squad. <laughs> and, like, and in ways... Like, there were, that film is ways in, like, it's bad in ways that I hadn't, hadn't even occurred to me. And they, they pretend that they are defending Suicide Squad because the, the fictional characters of Sean and Hayes, it would be their favourite film for many, many reasons. Undoubtedly. Um, even though they are very scared of the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> He's too extreme. <laughs> Why are you so serious? <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> um, and they, they pretend to be defending it by saying, oh, people would say this about Suicide Squad, but they're wrong. And it's... <laughs> I can't remember which episode it's on, but you should find that that sort of fifteen minutes of of uh, is probably my favourite bit of any podcast ever. Uh, I think it's with the episode with Andre Van Mulian. Okay, that's good. Right. Look it up, people. Uh, and it is it is spectacular, especially because uh, I don't know how much they had briefed her on what the episode was going to be about, but she's uh, initially seems baffled by what they're talking about, oh, yeah, they and then plays along. A bag on her head, don't they? I can't. Is that, <laughs> is that, is that the one? I, I think remember. it is that one, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, they're they're in, they're incredible. Uh, it's the most exciting podcast every week because I really like with some of them, like Comedy Bang Bang. You kind of know what the rhythms are going to be every week. Oh yeah, I mean, I love. I saw Comedy Bang Bang live as well in London, mm-hmm. and it was great. It was like mm-hmm. two and a half hours of watching just the most amazing improvisers at the top of their game. I could have just watched Scott and Paul talk for. I realized they. It, I'd just been watching Scott and Paul talk for like ninety minutes, mm-hmm. um, and wow. then and then like. And then Hanford and Gabrus come out and you're like, oh shit, this show hasn't even started yet. You know, this is when other shows will be ending. Which characters were they playing? Um, Well, uh, uh, Gabrus is always Gino, right? And Hanford was Lennon, which I think is mostly what he's been doing this tour. And I'm sure you can guess who Paul F. Tompkins was. (laughs) 
since he was in London. Oh, was it uh, Dame's uh, Andrew Lloyd? That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> he was he was cake boss in Manchester. Fantastic. Was great, but also cake boss. <laughs> cake boss, yeah. Uh, uh, but when um, at one point uh, at the beginning, Scott asked, you know, who here listens to the show and who here has been dragged here by a significant other, mm-hmm. uh, and. <laughs> He then said, I heard exclusively female voices for that second one and then seemed like he was having a crisis of faith. Uh, I did think it was funny. Again, it's one of those shows where you think, for anyone who isn't familiar with this, such as the people who are sitting right behind me, yeah. it must be very weird to see Paul F. Tompkins come out and play a person who is real. Although I oh, think a, yeah. lot, a lot of people may think that the Kate Boss is a fictional co- concoction. Well, also of there's layers and layers of mythology built up around the, <laughs> all of these characters because of the multiple episode appearances. There's a lot to like deconstruct with with Kate Boss. You know, Kate's coming to life and everything, and <laughs> Scarab Beetles and everything. Or even Lennon, who's a fairly new addition. His yeah backstory lot, is very strong at this point. There's a lot to understand there. His catchphrase is drums. <laughs> um, Ringo's still got his guitar. Uh, drive, driving cross country in a Winnebago. Uh, to leap over the Grand Canyon. Come up and tell him. Come up and talk to him, but don't tell anyone else that you've seen him. Uh, don't tell Yoko. Um, yeah, that was just people, you know, having a great time and the audience having a great time. Yeah, and they did a two and a half hour show. It was remarkable. And people hung around, you know, for I was lucky enough to go to go backstage. Um mm-hmm. and when we came out, you know, I think Scott and Paul left probably about an hour after the show and people were still waiting and they got their pictures and got to meet them. And then we left with Gabrus and Hanford about I don't know. Like it was it was getting on for midnight probably and there were still people waiting, you know, because they love these guys so much. I mean, I think Mike Hanford's he's got a new series on Howl where he's doing uh, John Lennon giving advice which I haven't listened to yet, but he told me to sign up with the <laughs> he told me to sign up using the code Lennon, so I will. <laughs> <laughs> They're always plugging. And Gabrus has got his own podcast called High and Mighty which I started listening to I think when because Sean Clements did an episode and actually mm-hmm. Hayes has done an episode as well so I think I listened to those probably that's why I started listening to it but I've I've continued to listen to it because I, I enjoy it but yeah it's all, I, I find it re- really entertaining to hear Sean and Hayes not being Sean and Hayes <laughs> yeah I think it's just they just like I, like I was trying to say before we got uh, talking about how great comedy bang bang is which they'd hate because I think it's their their most their greatest rival on that. <laughs> um, uh, is it is like it's a show where it's genuinely uh, unclear what's going to happen each week. Some weeks they'll do like weird structural things. Uh, some weeks they'll have a very tense interview with Paulie Shaw. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, uh, which is um, up there, I think, with WTF's Gallagher interview in terms of. Oh my of god! Yeah. Podcasts that start well enough uh, and then don't end so well. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's an amazing show. Uh, I'll, I'll throw out a, a kind of recommendation also, mm-hmm. someone who I think you should try and get. Okay, <laughs> uh, I'll try. Uh, S- Switched on Pop. Okay. Uh, I love them. It's two guys who are kind of musicologists who really dig into the minutiae and the inspiration behind uh, pop songs. You know, like they do stuff about, uh, most recently they did a really good episode about Lady Gaga's new song, which at various points involved talking about classical music and it, how it builds into her aesthetic. Um They've done ones on just like Carly Rae Jepsen, any song that kind of really breaks her into the popular consciousness and they really go into the minutiae of it. And they've done live shows before and they always seem to be kind of like a good time. But I think uh, anyone who's not listening to Switched On Pop should really check it out. Okay, I will check it out. I, oh, I'm i just looking at my phone now to see other podcasts that I should mention. <laughs> just, um, you like the canon, don't you? I, I do, I love yes. the canon uh, for film related. I'm just recommending Earwolf shows now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I love I love the canon. I would love to get Devin and Amy to come. Um, I you know fingers crossed. Uh, I I really like Amy Nicholson because I first heard her on Battleship Potemkin. Uh, no, Battleship Pretension. Yeah, uh, I always get that wrong. Uh, Battleship Pretension a few years ago when I think she had just started writing for the LA Weekly or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and it's really nice. I think one of the things that's nice about podcasting is because it's so regular. People put episodes every week. Uh, 
is that and the same people come up over and over is you do kind of get a sense of how people's lives are progressing yeah because like, she's in... at mtv news now isn't she right she's two film critic for mtv which is pretty cool yeah uh and so it's like really nice that she's gone from someone who appeared on a couple of episodes of podcasts i really like to being like oh she's like a really big deal now and it's really cool yeah i think they just have a wonderful occasionally combative mm-hmm. you know but really fantastic rapport um i love listening to them talk about films i love people who are really passionate about things and won't and won't back down and won't, mm-hmm. you know, won't apologise for their opinions. And it's really fun. I also like shows where I I listen to it and I'm like, oh, no, you're a real expert. Like, you know a lot more about this subject than I do. Yeah. Um, and that's how I want to feel when I listen to a podcast is like, these people really know what they're doing. And I certainly felt like that across the festival. And, and the, all the shows that I like, I feel like everyone is really operating at the top of their game. Okay, thanks, Zoe, for coming on the show to talk about the podcast festival. Where can people follow you online if you want oh, to? Oh, sure. Plugs. <laughs> um, you can follow me on Twitter at Zozrat, Z-O-Z-R-A-T, which is the nickname my older brother gave me as a child. Uh, so I don't really know why I'm using it on all social media, other than the fact it's available. He means it as an insult, but I've, I've, I've embraced it. I've taken that word back. Um, you can follow King's Place at King's Place and you can find us at uh, kingsplace.co.uk. If you do that forward slash comedy, you can see everything that we've got coming up over the next few months. If you like The Guilty Feminist, get tickets as soon as they go. Wait wait to see the announcements and get tickets as soon as they go online because they sell out fast and they get amazing guests. Cool. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher, those other ones that we're on. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, SRS underscore podcast and you can also follow us on facebook thanks for listening and it's goodbye from me (laughs) and it's goodbye from me (laughs) and it's goodbye from me